Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number 105 of the Property Magic Podcast, in which I'm going to talk about serviced accommodation and explain exactly how this strategy can work for you. Now, you may have noticed in the UK this summer, there's been a massive boom in staycations. As the lockdowns opened up and the UK became more accessible, instead of going overseas, many UK residents decided to holiday in the UK. Part of this was because of restrictions and concerns about traveling, etc. But also staying in the UK seemed like a pretty good idea for many people to do. And so if you try to book somewhere to stay this summer, you would have seen it's very difficult to book or very expensive for any accommodation that was still available. So this is an incredibly profitable strategy that I think you should consider as part of a balanced portfolio. So what is serviced accommodation? Well, it's where you go and rent out a property very short term, typically a couple of nights or it could be a couple of weeks. And because it's a short term, it's a much higher rent than you would achieve on a normal six month contract. Now, it's different from renting a normal property because there's an element of service included. So it's a bit like a hotel. So in other words, when the guests turn up, the property is already cleaned for them, all the beds are made, you provide the duvets, the towels, all the linen. And it's a bit like staying in a hotel, but rather than just having a room and an ensuite, often there's a kitchen, a living room, and so it's more like a home from home. Now, all of the bills are included, so the tenant moves in, they pay one amount like they would at a hotel and everything is covered. And actually thinking like a hotel is a very good way to see your serviced accommodation. Now, because of this service element, because it needs cleaning, the laundry changing and washing, etc., this can be more like a business than just a normal rental property. And unless you put the right systems in place, it can be a lot of work. However, the good news is many of my students have actually used virtual assistants to do all of the background admin work. You will need someone on the ground to be a housekeeper, to do the the changeovers, and also someone to do the maintenance for you. But a lot of this can be systemized. So who's going to stay in accommodation like this? Well, the first market you might think about is holiday makers, people who are going away for a short break or a long stay somewhere, and they don't really want to stay in a hotel. The benefits over a hotel is you have more private space to yourself. It can be more cost effective than a hotel, particularly when a number of people are staying together. Um, In the summer, I went to the Malvern Hills with my wife. We had some other friends come and stay with us in a lovely large house in the hills, it was fantastic. We could come and go as we please. We could cook and and entertain in the actual house itself. Um, and it was lovely. It was great to be away uh, from home, but it felt like being at home as well. Also recently, my sister got married and uh, we went down to Pool in Dorset. And obviously she only has a certain amount of accommodation at their home. So most of the family, we hired a, a house in pool, very close to the wedding venue, uh, so we could all be together. And we were out of my sister's hair so she could focus on what she needed to do, um, and that worked really well. Uh, People might use service accommodation when visiting family, maybe they're visiting uh, 
family in hospital, for example. They want to be close. They don't want to be staying in a hotel. Um, contractors during the week who are working away from home, go home at the weekend. And also people on business trips and longer projects that could be several weeks. A friend of mine came over from Australia for two and a half weeks. Instead of staying in a hotel, he just rented a nice apartment in London. So there's a tourist market and there's also a business market. And if you can capture both of those, then you'll have a truly balanced business. However, the type of client you attract very much depends on the property you use. Um, this whole thing started, uh, you might be familiar with a website called airbnb.com. And it was actually some people who lived in New York, they, they realized how expensive it was to visit you in New York. And they would literally rent out airbeds in the living room in their apartment to make some extra money for themselves and also make it more cost effective for people who wanted just somewhere to crash in New York when they were visiting. So that's how Airbnb started. And Airbnb.com is probably one of the main sites to find this type of accommodation. And when you go on there, you'll see all sorts of accommodation available from a room in someone's house. And by the way, that's a great way to make extra income. Um, also, I've stayed in a property where uh, I've stayed in the attic room and there's kind of an ensuite. You've got the private facilities up there. Then you share the the kitchen with the family downstairs. I've also stayed in an annex to a property. So you've got your own kind of remote annex away from the main home. Um, and you know that they can work really, really well. Very often it's an apartment within an apartment block. Sometimes it's a whole house like the one we stayed at in Poole in Dorset, or it might even be a large manor estate where lots of families come together for some sort of family reunion or celebration. But it could even be a shepherd's hut, a yurt or a posh tent in a field or even a luxury treehouse. There's no limit to what can be used for serviced accommodation. Obviously, if you have a treehouse, that's probably more for holidaymakers rather than business people, but you never know. So when looking at doing serviced accommodation, you also need to do your research and understand the local market and see if there's a demand. So the best thing to do is go and have a look at airbnb.com. Also have a look at booking.com um, and see what kind of things come up on those websites in your area. And there's a great website called airdna.com. Uh, it's a subscription service, but it'll give you all the stats about occupation rates and average rates. And you can really do a lot of research to really make sure before you get into this, that it's a, something you definitely want to do. Now, obviously, you need to be aware that you're probably not going to have a property that's full 100% of the time. If you think about it, you're going to have lots of changeovers between tenants, and you might be lucky enough to have some tenants stay. They normally have to get out of the property by 10 or 11 in the morning. It gives you time to get in, get it cleaned, and the new tenants can check in maybe from, say, 3 p.m. that afternoon, a bit like a hotel would. Um, but you don't always get people coming in on the same day. Uh, an ideal scenario would be where you get professional workers during the week or contractors and they go home at the weekend and the weekend you then rent it out to holidaymakers. But you're probably not going to have 100% occupation in your property. A good figure to aim for is a 70% occupation rate. Now, when you're doing your figures, you must make sure that it breaks even at 50%. So if the property is only full 50% of the time at the average rates you're going to charge, that needs to be enough income to cover your mortgage, to cover all of the bills, to cover the laundry costs, the cleaning costs, and everything you're including. Otherwise, it's not a good project and it won't make money for you. So it's a great opportunity. You might have uh, 
an apartment which you're struggling to get a kind of a good cash flow on, maybe you can turn it into serviced accommodation. Or maybe you've got a spare room in your property that you could rent out. Now, there are a couple of things you need to check to make sure you can do this. First of all, if you have a leasehold property, i.e. typically an apartment, you need to check there's nothing in the lease that prohibits short-term lets. Um, do check the lease very, very carefully to make sure you're not breaking any of the leaseholder rules. That's the first thing. Secondly, you need to make sure that your mortgage provider is happy with this type of accommodation. Now, this is often a problem that a lot of people fall foul of because most lenders do not understand this kind of accommodation. There are some specialist lenders who are starting to provide finance explicitly for this, but most don't get it. Now, Many people will use their property in a way that actually breaks the terms and conditions of their mortgage. For example, they might have a, a normal residential mortgage and they then let it out to people, which they shouldn't really do. They might have a property that's a single let and they rent it out as an HMO, or maybe they're not allowed certain types of tenants, such as students or people on benefits, and yet they still rent them out. Now, you're not actually breaking the law doing that. You are breaking the terms and conditions of the lender. And I guess the worst case scenario is the lender could turn around and say, right, we want you to pay back the mortgage. But in reality, most lenders are concerned about the mortgage being paid on a monthly basis and getting their money back at the end of the term. As long as your mortgage is being paid, there's very little chance the lender would actually find out unless, of course, they see the property advertised on Airbnb. So just be aware of that. What is very important, though, is you make sure you have the correct insurance in place. As a landlord, you must always have tenant insurance and particularly public liability insurance. In case someone has an accident in your property and they try to, to sue you, you wanna make sure that you are covered. So always make sure your insurance company, who by the way, should not be your arranged through your mortgage company, have specialist separate insurance. They must be fully aware of how you're using the property. So in the event of any problem, you are completely covered. That is very, very important. So as I said, check the lease, check with your, um, your lender, and finally, make sure that you're not breaking any planning constraints. Um, if you're using the property, if it's a a residential apartments, a C3 planning classification, and you're just renting out short term, that's probably fine. If you've got a whole block and you're using it more like a serviced hotel, well, you need to have the right to planning classification for that. Um, talking of blocks, I actually have a block of apartments uh, in Halifax. It was a house that we converted into seven apartments, initially with the intention of selling those apartments, but the market changed. It wasn't a great time to sell. So we just held on to them and we rented them out. Now, it's not really made a lot of money. It's kind of paid for itself, given a little bit of cash flow, which has been fine. But actually, I'm thinking about using that as serviced accommodation. So what I've done when it came to the time to remortgage that block after five years, I changed from the the former lender who were not happy with serviced accommodation to a lender who's very happy with serviced accommodation. So I can take just one or two of the units, test them as serviced accommodation. If it works, I'll turn the whole block into a serviced accommodation unit. But I want to test it first of all. Now, this leads me on to the next point in that there are some real tax benefits uh, for doing this. First of all, when you're doing service accommodation, it's seen as a business. And so it's not affected by Section 24. If you've listened to this podcast before, you should be very aware of Section 24. It's the changes that came in in April 2017 to the way that we as property investors are taxed. Prior to April 2017, owning property in your own name was normally the best way to do it. 
Um, however, because of Section 24, if you own in your own name and you've got mortgages and you're a high rate taxpayer, you can no longer offset all of the interest from your mortgage against your rental income to reduce your profits. Uh, that means basically you pay more tax if you're a high rate taxpayer. But any accommodation used as service accommodation is not affected by this change. So you can offset all of the interest costs against your rental income. Also, if you own the property in your own name, there is another massive tax benefit you can get called a capital allowance. Now, a capital allowance uh, is quite a detailed subject. I'm actually going to talk about it in the next episode of the Property Magic podcast. But basically, you can take a property if you've bought it, especially if you've added value to it, as long as a capital allowance has never been claimed on that property, what you can do is you can actually offset an allowance against your personal taxation. If you are a higher rate taxpayer, that means you can save a huge amount of tax. Even if you're a lower rate taxpayer, still worth doing. But I'm going to talk more about this in the next episode. It's a very detailed specialist topic. So I want to dedicate a whole episode of the podcast to it. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I have a recommendation and also a request. First of the recommendation is why don't you subscribe to this podcast to make sure you receive the latest edition every Tuesday morning. It's totally free and full of practical advice and hopefully inspire you to become a more successful investor. And then finally, the request. I would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star review and say what you like about this podcast. If you scroll down to the bottom where all the episodes are listed, there's usually an option to leave a review. I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And it means other people will be able to find this podcast and also benefit from it. So until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.